One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming up on Chopper's Politics. Have you told anyone yet? Your family your association, the whips, how, how what's happened today? Uh, I haven't told the whips, uh, I haven't told my family. I'm Christopher Hope, one of the associate editors at the Daily Telegraph, and welcome to Chopper's Politics. Well, it's been a week when Boris Johnson has tried to change the subject away from parties to Brexit, the troubles in Ukraine, and most recently, levelling up. But his problem is the MPs aren't listening. They're worried. So far this week, we've had two Tories putting in letters of no confidence in his leadership, Peter Aldous and Tobias Elwood. And now a third, Anthony Magnall, elected as MP for Totnes as recently as 2019. Anthony tweeted his decision about Boris Johnson as he arrived for this podcast at the Red Lion Pub. As he walked down the stairs here at the Red Lion Pub, he turned off his phone, sat down and spoke to me. Anthony Magnall... Welcome to Chopper's Politics. Thank you for having me. You put out a tweet. What did it say? It said that standards in public life matter and that I have no confidence in the Prime Minister because his actions are overshadowing the work of excellent ministers and colleagues and that this can no longer continue. And so I've therefore submitted my letter to the chairman of the 1922 committee. That makes you the 12th uh, Tory MP to submit a letter of no confidence in, in Boris Johnson's premiership. It might go towards 54 at this rate. Uh, quite possibly. I think we have to have a very real conversation about standards in public life, about making sure that elected representatives are not just adhering to the rules, but actually leading by example. And unfortunately, I don't see that to be the case at the moment. What what brought you to this to this uh, this decision? I mean, was it Monday's um, statement about the Sue Gray report in the Commons? Uh, Monday's statement certainly didn't help, and I thought it was a disastrous handling in which the conduct of the Prime Minister in how he behaved in the chamber was below par and below what we should all expect in a Prime Minister. But I also believe this is just a series of, or it's an addition to a series of other problems that have come out of Number Ten, which are overshadowing some of the extraordinary work that is being done by this government. Let me be very very clear: I am supportive of. Of this government. I am a Conservative through and through. And you're doing this to be supportive? Absolutely. We have to get back on track because the policies of what, which we are putting forward are making a real difference and Cabinet colleagues are doing that. They are making an extraordinary leap with levelling up, with finding ways in which we can support yeah. our farming and fishing communities, but we have to do more and unfortunately, if we are going to have to repeatedly be overshadowed by number 10 and the actions of one man, we have to take uh, a pause and we have to reflect on that and we have to take action as well. You've got no confidence in, in Boris Johnson now. Do you want him to stand down as Prime Minister or maybe have a, have a vote of no confidence in himself 
and then come back renewed to tackle the issues that we all know are there? It's not for, for me alone, it's for all colleagues to make that decision to decide whether or not he is the fit and proper person to carry on being Prime Minister. I, I would like him to listen to what this letter signifies. Letters can be withdrawn, but I have to say, you know, this is the fourth of a this is the fourth problem to arise from number 10 over the last 18 months. And again, it cannot continue. So I want him to take stock of it. I want colleagues to think about what they want to do on this and what we want from our Prime Minister. Anthony, you said there were, there were four things, the fourth thing that's gone wrong. Do you remember well, giving you a little list? What are the problems you've, you've seen before this government? Dominic Cummings, wallpaper, Owen Patterson, and now this. This is a, this is a series of mishandlings which the government needs to address and they need to grip it. And again, I'm, this is, a, in, in many respects, a, a question of the Prime Minister's judgment and whether or not he is the right person to continue doing this. And I'm not sure he is. Let's just rewind to 2019. You helped on his leadership campaign before you were an MP, didn't you? I certainly did. And I was proud to do so as well. So you saw him in close quarters. He's the same person. He was, uh, whatever, you know, 56 then, now he's 58. You know, he's the same person then as he was now. So what's changed? I mean, he hasn't changed, has he? Well, we needed someone then to break the deadlock in Westminster, to deliver Brexit, to make sure that we could have a strong majority to be able to deliver on all the things that desperately need to happen across this country. He was absolutely the right person then. Um, And frankly, when you look at what we've done around the pandemic and the fastest country to come out of it and how we've done the booster programme, you know, you can see how able he is when he really puts his mind to it. But again, if we are going to continually have to go through this and battle with decisions that are coming out of number 10 that affect every member of parliament, um, it's not sustainable. Have you told anyone yet? Your family... Your association, the whips, how, how what's happened today? Uh, I haven't told the whips. Uh, I haven't told my family. I have told the chairman of my association, and I'll be speaking to my association later on today about this. Again, you know, I'm, I'm not questioning conservative credentials. I'm not co- questioning my place within the Conservative Party. I'm questioning how we are led and about the standards that we have in public life. And what is happening in number 10 is impacting every single member of parliament. It's emotional. You, you seem emotional talking to me now. Uh, I'm terrified and I'm um, you know I don't know what this means for me and for my future but it's not about me it is about how we govern in this country how we are viewed by our friends our enemies our allies around the world and it is how we do democracy in this country I can just add one point is that we are pushing it we are angry in this country whether it's Brexit the pandemic or how we conduct ourselves in the political arena it is creating horrendous division and we do need to calm it down and unfortunately I do not believe the Prime Minister can do that so I'm, yes, incredibly emotional about it. If you saw him now, what would you say to him? I would apologise for putting in my letter and I would hope that he would recognise the reasons for why I'm doing it and the need for a better discourse in our political arena and for the better need for better judgement. I'm sorry for it to him personally, but I'm not sorry for the course of action that I've decided to take because my party and my country matter. You're risking your political future on this, aren't you? I mean, you have got a very large majority of, uh, of nearly 13,000 at the last election, but you're risking your future within the party, aren't you? I'm a 32-year-old member of Parliament. I was elected at 30. I did not come into politics to lie to people. I did not come in to be lied to by colleagues. I did not come into politics to lower the standard of debate. I came in it to help my constituents, the place that I love, the place that I grew up. And that is what I want to do. And that is what I've been doing over the last two years. When you handed your letter in, what was the process? Do you go and knock on Graham Brady's door and say, here it is? Do you, do you ask for a quiet word? What happens? Uh, I asked for a quiet word and went to see him and, and handed him the letter. What's he do when you, when you give him a letter? He was very understanding. He recognises that, um, you know, it is a big step, especially for someone who's only been elected for two years to do something like this. But um, he also recognises that each and every one of us has to justify our position to our constituents and that we have to do what we think is right. 
And what will those constituents say? You're going to meet them this weekend, aren't you? You'll talk to some tonight. Is it a conference call tonight? Uh, it'll be a conference call, yes. Uh, how will they respond? I mean, uh, um, other MPs, colleagues of yours, Andrew Mitchell, has done a vote of his local party. They all voted. Uh, they had an issue with Boris Johnson. There's been no vote in your, your local um, members in Totnes. There hasn't, but I've been taking soundings. I think I want to remind them of why I'm their Conservative MP. I'm going to remind them of the extraordinary work that we're delivering in South Devon, whether it's sort of investing in our fishing ports, whether it's helping our tech businesses, whether or not it's helping level up. You know, these are all things that we are delivering and we've had some real wins over the last two years. So I hope they keep their faith in me and recognise the work that we are doing. It's it's more than about one individual. Yep. Conservatism and the Conservative Party is not about one person. What's at stake here? You mentioned you're sick of being lied to. Is Boris Johnson a liar, do you think? I think if you look at what has been said in Hansard versus what he is saying this week, um, it is clear that there is some grave inaccuracies. And sorry, that sounds like a politician's answer, but I can't rectify what was said at the end of last year versus what he is now being accused of. And it's not clear to me. Um, on parties. On parties. And, um, and you can see it now. There is more and more coming on uh, with this about whether or not he was attending flat parties and anything else. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not an acceptable way for a prime minister to behave. And you haven't talked to him about this. Have you expressed concern privately to him when you've seen him? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen the Prime Minister one-on-one ever. Ever? No. Not since he became Prime Minister, not since no, he became but, an MP? No, but nor should I expect to see the Prime Minister one-on-one. I've been to, uh, uh, I'm loath to say this, I've been to a couple of events at Number 10. <laughs> I'm hastened to I'm add, sure not, legal, yes. not during lockdowns. Um, but no, I mean, the Prime Minister of Great Britain does not need to be bothered by backbenchers. If I have an issue, I would raise it with his team or I have a policy suggestion, I would go through those things. He needs to focus on the monumental task of being Prime Minister, not whether or not he's having bloody parties in Number 10. It's distracting. So is the problem him or the team around him? Lots of people tell me they need to have a better team of, uh, of a Praetorian guard around him, looking after him, protecting him, prioritising his diary, you know. I think the buck stops with him. And what I was particularly um, interested at is that today in PMQs, the Prime Minister made this point about Jimmy Savile and, and Keir Starmer saying the buck stops with Keir Starmer, right? Well, why doesn't that apply to the Prime Minister when it comes to officials behaving in the way that they do in Number 10 and events happening? The buck stops with the Prime Minister. You can't use that outlook for the leader of the opposition and not expect to be held to the same standard. How many more of your colleagues might do the same thing? No idea. You haven't you talked to nobody else? I've told a few colleagues that I was doing it. I've told my neighbouring MPs in Devon. Um, but it's not for me to persuade other people. And it's not for me to try and say that they should do X, Y and Z. This is not about self-interest. This is about how I feel within the party, how I feel about the course of direction, about how I feel about the behaviour of one individual. You could be ending his career here. I mean, this could be the you know, little little steps here towards the 54, but there's a full-on vote in confidence, which could mean he, he, he's out. You know, it's a big moment here that you're contributing to, isn't it? I go back to the fact that the policies that we've been putting forward since 2019 are the right policies. They are going to make a huge amount of difference across every corner of the United Kingdom. They are the right policies, and Boris has got his stamp on those. But at the same time, if he is unable to deliver them because we are spending days, weeks, months debating whether or not he went to parties, when we should be focusing on the fragility of the world, when we should be focusing on helping those most in need, when we should be talking about the cost of living. You know, these are big topics, and we can't waste time because it is of the essence. And those people need us to act and they need us to be strong. How can you put it right? Is, it, is, it, is the issue, you haven't mentioned tax here at all. You seem at ease with it. Well, you understand the reasoning, do you, for the national insurance increase rise in April and that kind of thing? Uh, I, I do see the need for that. And I also think most people understand the need for us to, to respond after a, an extremely costly pandemic. But um, 
I was one of the people who I suppose heckled the Prime Minister in the 1922 committee when he was talking about conservatism. I said, how about lowering tax? You know, we do need to get back to that. Um, it's very important. But, but you see a need for April's rise to pay, to pay down. I, I can see the need for a, an issue to address social care. And if we can produce the right plan, and I believe that there are many clever minds within Cabinet to be able to, to come up with the right plan. So it's more, it's more that you're, what you're worried about is the, is the Prime Minister and his character and what he's allowing to get to almost overtake his time in office at the moment. Uh, completely, but also the damage that that is doing to our policies that are working and are making Do you it. think he can put it right? Can he put it right? Or, or is he the wrong leader now? Never say never. Of course. Of course he can. And, you know, people have, you know, I'm a nobody. I'm a backbencher who no, keeps his head... you're somebody, well, you're an MP. I, I, and, well, that's fine. But I'm, I'm a backbencher who puts his head down, works hard, tries to do the best for his constituents and works on the International Trade Committee. I'm not expecting the, the government or the cabinet or anyone to pay any attention to me on this. I've taken the course of action, which I think is right. If the prime minister can get a grip, can do all these things um, and, and find a way in which he can govern properly and stop all of this sort of ridiculous attention on, and, and behavior in, in number 10, then that's fantastic. And I will happily accept that I was wrong and, and, and welcome the efforts of the prime minister. But I'm not holding my breath. Who would you, thought, who would you think should replace him? I don't know. I think it'll be a very large field. And I think uh, colleagues who say now is not the right time for a leadership election. Well, there's never a right time for a leadership election. I don't think this would cause a general election. I don't think it's in the appetite of people to have a general election, especially with an 80 seat majority. And let's just remember the one thing that binds us all together within the Conservative Party is that manifesto that we stood on in 2019. That still stands regardless of who is prime minister. Are you a serial rebel? I have rebelled six times, I think. I rebelled on Huawei, I rebelled on foreign aid, and I rebelled on a number of COVID measures, all of which I think I've been vindicated for. Um, when Huawei was building our telecommunications infrastructure network, the government U-turned. 0.7% um, the Chancellor has now announced will come back. And all of the COVID measures that I uh, voted against, whether it was 10pm, tiered systems, uh, vaccine passports or mandatory vaccinations, the government has changed this. I don't think I'm a serial rebel because I'm not rebelling against policy. And I will just make the point on foreign aid, which is that I and many other colleagues on that rebellion made the point about the fact that oh, we were told, sorry, let's just be clear about this. We were told that it would not be cut. Um, so I'm afraid, once again, we were told a mistruth on that. So, so you're, you're almost at the, the centre of the party. You're, not, you know, you're just basically you're, you're a conservative, aren't you? Yes. I wouldn't say, you know, uh, there were many colleagues that feel the same way as you. I think there are many colleagues who uh, are finding it harder and harder to stomach what is going on, but they're also questioning some of the policy and the handling of how, we, um, how we're able to sort of deliver into our respective communities. So it's, um, yeah. And how are you feeling today? How are you feeling? Did you wake up this morning thinking, say, today? I didn't sleep much last night. Um, and I didn't, uh, you know, I haven't felt great today about, about the course of direction. You know, this is, um, this is a lonely, isolating place to be when you do something like this. And I'm not expecting sympathy for that at all. Um, I have but to you're doing it, it for who? The party, the country? I'm doing it for the country and I'm doing it for my party. And um, conservatism, again, as I said earlier, is more than about one person. And it's about the set of ideals that so many people across this country believe in. And it also means about following the rules and the laws. If Boris Johnson does stay on... What will that mean for the Conservative Party? If he stays on and wins a vote of no confidence or we don't cross that threshold, then he stays on. And, and, and clearly I am on my own in, 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 or I'm with a very select few people who, who believe, believe that he should go. Um, but, you know, he can, as I said, he can get his act together. I'm just not, not entirely persuaded yet. Is he, are you expecting just finally the number of 54 to be passed? 
and, and if so, when? Um, because I haven't been trying to persuade colleagues and because I haven't been going down that route of, 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 of saying, well, I'm doing this, therefore you should do this, um, I really don't know. And I think, you know, people who speculate on letters are never ones who are... I mean, they just don't know. There's only one person who knows how many letters there are and he has kept, uh, he's kept Sturm and, and, and should, should be doing so. Well, Anthony Magnall, uh, the MP for Totnes, who has put in a, uh, well, you've just tweeted your, your, your letters gone in to Barrett Graham Brady, calling for a no confidence vote in Boris Johnson. Thank you for joining us today on Chopper's Politics. Thank you. Thank you very much, and thanks for the mug. Well, listeners, it's a difficult time for Boris Johnson, and many of you out there are big fans of his, so do tell us your thoughts about what Anthony Magnall had to say. In that emotional interview, you can email me, chopperspolitics at telegraph.co.uk, or tweet me, we're at chopperspodcast. And why not become a Telegraph subscriber and sign up for the latest breaking news? Go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash chopper and get your first month's subscription completely free of charge. As always, thank you to my producers, Giles Gear, Louisa Wells and Theodora Luludis. And of course, thank you to you for listening. Now, if you want to keep up to date with all the latest comings and goings in Westminster, why not sign up to my daily politics newsletter? It's called, not surprisingly, Chopper's Politics, and it goes straight to your inbox every weekday. The link to sign up to this newsletter is in the show notes to this episode. And do keep an eye out for my weekly Peterborough Diary column on the website every Friday at 7pm and in Saturday's Daily Telegraph. And always, it goes without saying, please do buy a copy of the Daily Telegraph if you can. You won't regret it. Until next time, though, cheerio.